This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to another episode of the Diabetes Knowledge into Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. This series is CME accredited and this episode is accredited for up to 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credits. So to claim your credits, go to diabetes.knowledgeintopractice.com to complete a pre and post activity assessment. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly, who've had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. In this seventh episode of the series, we'll discuss the emerging role of dual GIP and GLP-1 receptor agonists in the management of type 2 diabetes, the first of which was recently approved by the FDA in the US. We'll also provide some background on how these hormones underpin this emerging therapeutic approach for type 2 diabetes. After this introduction to the field, we'll then discuss these topics with our invited expert, Professor Philip Knup. He's based in Denmark and is a professor of endocrinology and founding director of the Center for Clinical Metabolic Research at the University of Copenhagen and a consultant endocrinologist at Steno Diabetes Center Copenhagen. You can find his disclosures and the references discussed today in the episode notes. Glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonists, or GLP-1-RAs, are a well-established class of drugs in the management of type 2 diabetes. They mimic the effects of GLP-1, which is an incretin hormone released from the gut in response to food and stimulates glucose-dependent insulin secretion, resulting in insulin-driven control of blood glucose levels, as described in a 2021 review by Nauk and colleagues. GLP-1 receptor agonists also promote feelings of satiety, slow gastric emptying and decrease appetite. They promote weight loss and some are also indicated for the management of obesity. GLP-1 receptor agonists have also been shown to reduce major adverse cardiovascular events or MACE. On the other hand, while gastric inhibitory polypeptide, referred to as GIP, is also a potent incretin hormone, it proved to be ineffective as an insulinotropic agent in people with type 2 diabetes and no therapeutic potential was identified, giving it the nickname of the neglected incretin. However, due to its speculative synergistic effects with GLP-1, interest in GIP has recently re-emerged as a potential target for dual agonism. While it's unclear how exactly GIP receptor agonism may provide additional benefits compared with GLP-1 receptor agonism alone, the Phase 3 Surpass 2 clinical trial showed that the dual agonist tazepatide reduces HbA1c levels significantly more than the GLP-1 receptor agonist semaglutide. Participants in the tazepatide group also lost significantly more body weight compared with those in the semaglutide group. The Phase 3 surpassed CVOT clinical trial is also underway to determine the effect of tazepatide on cardiovascular outcomes compared with the GLP-1 receptor agonist dulaglutide. Across Phase 3 trials of tazepatide, the safety profile appears to be similar to that of GLP-1 receptor agonists, with the most common adverse events being gastrointestinal, such as nausea and diarrhea, although in the surpassed 2 trial, serious adverse events were reported in 5.3-7% of the participants taking tazepatide, compared with 2.8% of those taking semaglutide. Due to the substantial reductions in body weight seen with tazepatide, it has also been investigated versus placebo in people with obesity in the SAMOUNT-1 clinical trial. Results from this trial were recently presented at the ADA 2022 meeting and published in the New England Journal of Medicine. In the 72-week trial period, participants in the tazepatide group achieved substantial and sustained body weight reduction of up to 21% with the highest dose. 
There are currently other dual agonists also in clinical and preclinical development, such as catagetide, a dual GLP-1 and glucagon receptor agonist currently in phase 2 clinical trials. A GIP receptor agonist is also being trialled as a combination therapy with semaglutide. Of further note, triple agonist drugs are also in development, such as a GIP GLP-1 glucagon receptor agonist currently in phase 2 clinical trials. But what does all this mean for the future of type 2 diabetes management? Here to discuss what this means is Professor Philippe Knoop, who's Professor of Endocrinology and Founding Director of the Centre of Clinical Metabolic Research at the University of Copenhagen and a consultant endocrinologist at Steno Diabetes Centre Copenhagen. His disclosures are available in the episode notes. So the first dual GIP and GLP-1 receptor agonist was recently approved by the FDA and it's currently under review by the EMA. How do you think this might affect management of type 2 diabetes, assuming it's approved by the EMA? Yeah, over the last year or so, we have seen the results of the phase 3 development program for tisipatide, this new GIP, GLP-1 receptor dual uh, agonist. And I must say these results from the surpassed trials, as they are named, have been very uh, impressive. We have seen that uh, tisipatide compared head-to-head both with the placebo, but also against some of the best drug classes used in in the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It has really shown that tisipatide is a very effective treatment for type 2 diabetes, especially compared to the best-in-class GLP-1 receptor agonist semaglutide. Tisipatide seems to be more efficient both in terms of body weight loss, but also in terms of uh, glycemic control. So I definitely see a, a huge place for tisipatide uh, in, the, in the treatment of uh, type 2 diabetes in, in, in the future. And the safety profile so far seems similar to that of the GLP-1 receptor agonist, but are there any additional safety concerns that we need to bear in mind? One of the really interesting things about tisipatide is that it also has this GIP receptor activating component. That is not something other GLP-1 receptors they have on board. So, of course, uh, we know very well the safety profile of GLP-1 receptor agonism, but we have very little idea about the safety profile of GIP receptor agonism, and that is going to be one of the interesting things about the safety profile of uh, tisipatide. Currently, from the phase three program, the surpassed trials, it doesn't seem to be that different from compared to other mono GLP-1 receptor agonists. But of course, one can get surprised when you are considering long-term studies. And that is also why there is this surpassed cardiovascular outcome trial going on now for a longer period with focus on cardiovascular outcome. So that will give us some more information whether tisipatide has a different safety profile compared to other normal GLP-1 receptor agonists. GIP was known for a long time as the neglected incretin. Do you think its effects are important in the mechanism of action of tisipatide? And if so, what added benefit do you think GIP receptor agonism provides when combined with GLP-1 receptor agonism? The question whether the GIP receptor activating component of tisipatide 
whether that is important for the beneficial effects of tisepatide is a very important question uh, and also a very interesting uh, question because in previous studies uh, we have participated in where we infuse GIP for, into patients with type 2 diabetes. Uh, we haven't really been able to show that GIP in itself has any beneficial metabolic uh, effects. It, it doesn't work uh, on insulin secretion because patients with type 2 diabetes, they have a severely reduced or even an abolished effect, insulinotropic effect of GIP. And when we have performed short-term studies with GIP infusions in, in type 2 diabetes patients or even in, the, in individuals living with obesity, it's very difficult to us for us to show that GIP has any appetite modulating effects also. So, but 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 of course it's important to note that the, the previous studies we, among others, have performed. They are all short-term GIP infusion studies. And the studies that we now have, uh, have seen in the surpassed trials and also the coming trials, they are, of course, much longer-term studies. So currently, we don't know whether the GIP receptor activating component of tisepatide is important. But, but I know that there's a lot of ongoing studies uh, that... Uh, probably will provide some uh, good answers to that questions in the future. Moving on, the recently published Samount 1 trial demonstrated strong weight loss efficacy in people with obesity. Do you see tazepatide potentially also being used outside of type 2 diabetes management? Yes, the Samount trial, which was the first uh, trial testing the safety and efficacy of tazepatide in people living uh, with obesity, that trial showed some fantastic outcomes with a 22.5% weight loss in these obese uh, participants. And that is something that I never have seen in an obesity trial uh, before. That means that uh, a very high proportion, I think it was more than 96%, they actually achieved a meaningful weight loss of 5% uh, or, or more, which is a, a quite a fantastic result, I would say. And uh, it, also, uh, it also showed that the, if, oh, sorry, the safety profile of tisepatide is very similar to what we have seen in GLP-1 obesity uh, trial. So again here, it, it shows that Tisepatide is a very potent weight-reducing agent with a very similar safety profile to, uh, to, to GLP-1. So I definitely see a future uh, for tisepatide also outside type 2 diabetes treat, uh, treatment, in, in this case, uh, obesity. GLP-1 receptor agonists have been documented to have multifactorial effects such as cardiovascular protection. Do you see dual agonists having a similar profile? There are many reasons why GLP-1 receptor agonists have become so widely used in the management of type 2 diabetes. I think, first of all, they are very good agents in terms of reducing blood glucose and improving glycemic control. That's very important, obviously. I also think their effect on body weight with an appetite-reducing effect translating into a body weight loss, that's also a very important uh, effect for both people managing 
patient with type 2 diabetes and for the patient themselves. But a third very, very important reason for the widespread use of GLP-1 receptor agonists is their cardioprotective effects. And the cardiovascular outcome trials that have been performed um, with GLP-1 receptor agonists, overall, they show that GLP-1 receptor agonists protect people from acute myocardial infarction, stroke, and death from cardiovascular-related diseases. So clearly, that is one of the main reasons that uh, GLP-1 receptor agonists are recommended as first-line, even first-line drugs in people with type 2 diabetes and already established cardiovascular uh, disease. So if now that the surpassed cardiovascular outcome trial is running, I see that as a, a very, very important trial in terms of deciding uh, where in the treatment algorithm of type 2 diabetes, tisipatide will find uh, its, its place. Uh, with the results from the surpassed studies and now from the surmount one study, uh, also there's no reason to believe that tisipatide in the surpassed cardiovascular outcome trials not will read out positive, meaning that uh, tisipatide also will have a cardioprotective effect. And if that is shown, I think we will see tisipatide all over the treatment algorithm in, in type 2 diabetes, similar to where we see the most uh, uh, well-investigated current GLP-1 receptor agonists now. And how do you see the future of type 2 diabetes management evolving with the ongoing clinical trials for other dual agonists and even triple agonists that also target glucagon receptors? Yeah, the, the, the field of type 2 diabetes management is a growing field and it's hugely interesting. Uh, we have so many good options now. We have data from big cardiovascular outcome trials that uh, have been implemented in great treatment algorithm and guidelines for the benefit of patients. So I think overall, there are very, very positive things to say about the field of managing type 2 diabetes. Um, I think it's very important that we as healthcare persons become better at individualizing uh, treatment, making sure that the right patient receives uh, the right uh, kind of drug in order to make sure that the, the patient benefit as much as possible for this whole new development uh, in the management of type 2 diabetes. So overall, uh, the, the new drugs also on the horizon with the dual GLP-1 glucagon receptor agonist and also with the triple GIP GLP-1 glucagon receptor agonist, uh, they will you know, increase the armamentarium of, of drugs, but it would also uh, require uh, healthcare persons to know more drugs in terms of indications, contraindications, uh, and so on. So there, there will be a big challenge for many uh, physicians to get to know all these drugs in order to find the perfect match between patient and uh, drug in order to uh, reduce risk of complications and provide better lives for, the, for our patients. And finally, what's your take-home message for clinicians working in the management of type 2 diabetes? Stay on top of the development. Make sure that you uh, follow 
the development and get to know the new drugs because you cannot expect that your patients, they read the big journals with the results of phase three trials and cardiovascular outcome trials. Make sure that you are aware of those results and uh, you um, use the newest guidelines in order to make sure that your patient benefit from this fantastic development in the field of type 2 diabetes. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast on your favourite app, recommend us to your colleagues or leave us a review. We also have a Diabetes Knowledge into Practice website where you can find other episodes of the podcast as well as other free educational and accredited diabetes resources. You can find a link to this in the episode notes as well as all the references discussed today. See you next time.